0: You know, over the weeks of Advent uh, this year, we've considered living in the light of Emmanuel. We've considered living in the peace of Emmanuel. We've considered living in the hope of Emmanuel. Last week, we talked about living in the comfort of Emmanuel. Today, we're considering living in the story of Emmanuel. And the story of Emmanuel provides peace, hope, joy, and comfort and love. But we want to consider this morning a simple, glorious message that we have as a church. Today, the, the, the message of the church has grown very complex, uh, where we have to speak into all sorts of things, but, but the primary message of the church, what makes us a church, is what, what we do on Sunday mornings, and what we want to do as the church, is we want to have Now, one thing on our tongue, and that is the gospel of Jesus Christ, that is the good news of Jesus Christ, that we would be known primarily as those who are speaking the good news uh, and showing, declaring, and displaying the good news as our mission statement talks about, enjoying, declaring, and displaying the good news of Jesus Christ. So the the verse we're going to look at is a very familiar verse, you all know it from watching ball games or seeing it on, on the, uh, the, the dark patches of uh, underneath linesman eyes, or, or you see it on bumper stickers or whatever, but it's John 3.16. and we, We're very familiar with that passage. And you might be so familiar with that passage, you're thinking uh, like a message on John 3.16. I already know what it's all about. Let me read it to you. And I, I know that most of you would be able to repeat this with me. For God, so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. That is the gospel that should be on our tongues and in our hearts. That's the gospel that is um, like a blueprint for understanding the story of Emmanuel. God becoming man. So I'd like to simply look at three things this morning and then jump into some application. First, I wanna look at the length of God's love. You could say the breadth of God's love, the, the, um, the span of God's love, but I'm calling it the length of God's love. Secondly, we're gonna look at the depth of God's love. And then finally, I wanna look at the effect of God's love. So let's look at the length of God's love. God so loved the world. That's the length of his love. God so loved the world. The span of his love, the length of his love is the entire world. God loved the world. Consider with me for a moment who it is because we just kind of can skip over um, the fact that it's God. So who who is God? Here's what our statement of faith says. There is only one true and living God who is infinite in being, power, and perfections. God is eternal, eternal, independent and self-sufficient, having life in himself with no need for anyone or anything. He is spirit, transcendent and invisible with no limitations or imperfections, immutable and everywhere present with the fullness of his being. His knowledge is exhaustive, including all things actual and possible, so that nothing past, present, or future is hidden from his sight. God is not divided into parts, but his whole being includes all of his attributes. He is entirely holy, loving, wise, just, good, merciful, gracious, and truthful. Oh, going right to the drums, going to the drums now. All right, our God is the infinite fountain of being who created all things and all things exist by him and for him. He is supremely powerful to perform all his holy and perfect will, ruling over his creation with total dominion, righteousness, wisdom, and love. In his transcendence, God is incomprehensible in his being and actions. Yet he reveals himself such that we can know him truly and personally. The one true God eternally exists as three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, infinitely excellent and all glorious. Each person is fully God, sharing the same deity, attributes, and essential nature, yet there is but one God. That's the God who loves the whole world. It's that God. And that's just a, try to make a concise paragraph of who God is from his word. It's it's that God who is spanning, his his love is spanning the whole world. He is our creator. He's the sovereign one. He's who the Westminster divines said that we exist to glorify and to enjoy forever. Not just one who stands so far off, but we, we are to enjoy him forever and to glorify him forever. He is the one who is above all other gods. He is the one to whom we will all give account. He is the holy, omnipotent, omniscient, glorious one, with whom no one can compare. It's he who loves the world. And what we see in scripture is that God in all his holiness, all his fullness as the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is the God who loves how God describes himself when he says in Exodus 34 that he is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding and steadfast what? Say it. Love. Steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands of generations. That's why the apostle John says, beloved, let us love one another for love is from God and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not Love does not know God because God is love. And God doesn't just love a small group of people. He doesn't just love one nation or one race. His love spans the length and breadth of the entire world. Every nation, every tribe, every language, every people. There's no corner around this world that is hidden from the love of God. This, this, was, this was clear even in the Old Testament. And God chose the nation of Israel as his as special people. His love actually extended way, way past Israel, though it was a specific love with Israel. You, you may recall in our study of Genesis that when God called Abraham and promised to build a nation out of him, God's promise to Abraham included all the nations. God told Abraham this, he says, I will make you, Abraham, of a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you I will curse and in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. God's purpose in calling the nation of Israel was to bless the other nations, nations like like us here this morning. That, that covenant that he made with Abraham thousands of years ago was specifically also, we, we were in mind, in God's eye, through his love and through his covenant promises. As, as we read the story of scripture, we see clearly that this would take place through the advent or the coming of the Messiah, of, of Christ Jesus, the very thing we are celebrating keenly this weekend. But honestly, we celebrate it every week, don't we? We especially see it in the prophet Isaiah. In the book of Isaiah, Christ is portrayed as a servant who's going to bring God's plan and bring salvation to the world. In Isaiah 49, God says this to the coming Messiah. He says this, I will make you as a light for the nations that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. Certainly that was also to Israel, but specifically it was a messianic statement, messianic speech. When we, when we come to the last book of the Bible, the book of Revelation, we see God's plan of salvation realized through Christ. We read in Revelation 7, verses nine and 10, Behold, a, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands, crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Each of us, a part of the world that God loves, and while God loves us all personally, and he certainly does, he loves us individually, this verse tells us that God's plans are way beyond just you and me. Um, God's plan has been for his glory to be spread across the entire world. This was the Genesis mandate, to, to spread out and proclaim the glory of God, and part of God's glory is love. The eyes of the love of God have been on the whole world from its very creation. How wide is God's love? God so loved the world. John 3.16 teaches us the the span or the length of God's love. God's love extends to all people everywhere in the world. Secondly, John 3.16 teaches us the depth of God's love. God so loved the world that he gave his only son. This is how God loved the world. He gave us his son. He did so because we who were made to live for his glory and spread his glory have simply turned away from him. We've strived to to live for and spread our own glory. And the word of God tells us that, that God will not share his glory with another. We cannot both share our glory and live for his glory. And so there's a penalty for living for our own glory. We have fallen short of the glory of God in our sin and the effect of our sin against God is the very real judgment of God against our sin. Death, the physical death, yes, but spiritual death particularly. God so loved the world that he gave a son to save us from that death. And something we'll take a look at more in just a few moments. That, 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 that news has become so familiar to us that we don't live in the awe of, of, of that. There are echoes of this and what we looked at in just, a, just a handful of weeks ago with the story of Abraham sacrificing Isaac. Throughout the rest of the Old Testament, there are multi, uh, multiple echoes of God's love for the world and his intent to redeem a people for himself to dwell with forever through, a, through the sacrifice of one man. So when we come to the New Testament, hundreds and hundreds of years later, we're not overly surprised to learn that God has a son. His name is Jesus. He has come to save his people from their sins. The verse tells us that he is God's one and only son. He's not not a son that was born. He's not a son that was created. He is is the one and only, the unique son, the, the one him whom there is none other. The Bible says this about Jesus, And just just to be sure, we are called children of God as well if we believe in Jesus, but but we are not children of God, we are not sons of God like like he is the son. We're we're adopted into the family, but he's the son. He was not adopted into the family, he was God. John 1, 1 and 2, in the beginning was the word, speaking of Jesus, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Uh, He was in the beginning with God, and so Jesus has always been God's unique son. He's always existed as God's son. Jesus is part of of who God is. He shares God's very essence. When he gives his son, when God becomes man, Emmanuel, he's giving himself, and he is faithfully and powerfully purchasing a people for himself to dwell with forever. So when I read a a passage like Acts 20, verse 28, when it's speaking to the Ephesian elders, and I'm thinking about pastoral ministry myself, I hear these words, be careful, Steve, to shepherd the flock of God that's among you, they are the ones who God obtained with his own blood. This is the, this is the, the joy and the sobriety of, of being one of your shepherds, one of your pastors. You are those whom God has obtained with his own blood. You're not just members of this church or regular attenders of this church or guests this morning. If you are those who believe in Jesus, who trust in Jesus, you have been purchased by the blood of God himself. It's staggering. Perhaps it would be understandable if the world was super kind and worthy of such sacrifice. But as we've seen in Genesis, we know in our own hearts, we're just, we're we're not very kind. We're, We're not good, somewhat good, some of us. Even those who are very evil around us have some level of goodness in them, but not compared to God's holiness. We've all sinned, we've all rebelled against God as our creator and Lord and his word and his ways, and yet, hear this, God still gave his son for us. He sent his son into the world as a helpless little baby on that Bethlehem morning, and he gave his son as a sacrifice for our sin on the cross of Calvary. He gave his son for that reason. He was born, as the old song would say, he was born to die for our sin. The song we are familiar with, how deep the Father's love for us, how vast beyond all measure, that he should give his only Son to make a wretch his treasure. His children, his sons. This, my friend, is the depth of God's love, and it also describes the effect of his love, which brings us to the final point this morning. The effect of God's love. For God to so love the world that he gave his only Son that, purpose statement, whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. The effect of God's deep and long love is that if we believe on the Son, on Jesus, whom God gave us so sacrificially, we would be saved from perishing and given eternal life, becoming his very treasure. That's, that's, uh, that's staggering in itself as well. For the danger that all people of this world are in, and those, we, we were some of them at one point, the danger that all the world is in is that those who reject our creator and the one for whom we exist and have our being, when we reject him in our unbelief, in our actions and in our inactions, in our posture away from him and towards self-sufficiency, is that one day we will perish. And we won't just simply perish unto physical death, but we will perish for eternity. The, the just wrath of God is, is expended on those who are perishing. It's, 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 it's not defined as simply going out of existence, of dying and laying in the ground for the rest of your life, eternal sleep or something. Here's what John says in Revelation 14, speaking of those who perish, he also, the perishing, will drink the wine of God's wrath, poured full strength into the cup of his anger, and he will be tormented with fire and sulfur in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. And furthermore, to to perish biblically is to be separated from the glory and goodness of God, the one in whom is eternal life and eternal joy. This is how Paul speaks of it in his second letter to the Thessalonian Christians. He says, they will suffer, that is the perishing, they will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might. Perishing means to die in your sins, eternally separated from God and his love and eternally enduring fiery torment. This is why each week we preach the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, so that you would flee from the wrath to come and trust in Jesus alone. God's made a way for us. He, he loved us. He desires, he loves us and desires that none should perish. And so he sent his son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. So how deep is the love of God for this vast world? All have sinned. All of us have gone astray. We've all gone followed our, our own way. All of us deserved God's righteous punishment for sin, but God gave his son, his only son. He came as Emmanuel, God with us, and he took on our sins and laid them upon Jesus, who paid the penalty of our sin for us. The effect of God's love is our salvation. That's the effect of God's deep love. And long love is our salvation, if we will but believe on Jesus. Our verse says that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life through, through the son's perfect life and atoning death. He brings many sons to glory, as how deep the father's love says. He, he brings many sons to glory, to eternal life in him. doesn't matter how badly you've sinned. Doesn't matter how long you stand. One one thing that love to hear over and over again is is the the testimony of our brother Dave, who lived in in so much sin for fifty-nine years, and yet that moment when the Lord opened his eyes and gave you a new heart. Um, he specifically opened your eyes to see his love and cause you to trust him. And he saved you, he rescued you from perishing. And brothers and sisters, he at one point in your life rescued you from perishing as well. For those of you though in this room who have not believed, it really truly It does not matter who you are. It doesn't matter what color your skin is. It doesn't matter what nation you're from. It doesn't matter what language you speak. It doesn't matter how bad you think you've been. If you'll believe on and trust in Jesus Christ, he will save you. He will rescue you and adopt you as his beloved child. He'll forgive your sins and give you the gift of eternal life. It's not something you can earn. It's not something you deserve. You receive it as a free gift, in this case, a free gift at Christmas time, rescued from perishing. But simply, God so loved the world that He gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. My application is this. If you have not believed on Christ, the application is is obvious. You need to trust him. Place your belief in him, trust in him, receive him who died for you. That will mean turning away from your sin and turning to Christ. My, My friend, there is no greater decision to make this morning, or ever. The reality is this, mo- this moment, if you are not born again, this moment is, is so significant because there'll be a day when you stand before the Lord and you will not be able to say, I never heard. I never heard of a, a way to get out of this. This morning, December 24th, 2023, you've heard the message and you are now accountable to God in particular, for what you've heard. As a friend, would you come to faith, to believe? Turn from your sin, come to Christ. Know that your sins will be forgiven, you'll be washed clean, you'll have the assurance that when you die, you'll be with God for eternity, the one who made you, the one who will give you all joy for eternity. You will not perish, but you'll have eternal life. It's the best decision you'll ever make. So will you put your trust in Jesus this morning? If you've believed in Jesus already, then, then I've got a couple of application points for you this morning. First is exalt Jesus in your heart and your mind and your thoughts and in your actions. Exalt him, praise him, for he is worthy of our praise. God showed the depth of his love by sending his son for you, for for you. To rescue you from perishing, so that so live in the praise of Jesus with with that praise on your lips that you have been rescued, you have been forgiven, you have been brought near, you have been made a child of God. There's so much joy in that recognition of knowing that in Emmanuel you have come to Christ, you have come to believe, you have come into a place where you are rescued from the eternal punishment that you've deserved, but you don't get it anymore because Jesus took the penalty for you. He, Jesus, is the deepest expression of God's love for us. We we wonder at times, don't we, if God loves us. All we have to do when we feel that God is distant or when God doesn't love us or is disappointed with us or, or is looking away from us or whatever, all we have to do is look to the cross. We look to the thing that happened on the cross that day and we say God demonstrated his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And, and he did so that we might know him, really know him, to know his love for us, to know his favor. Isn't it a good thing to know you're loved? Isn't it a good thing to be found in favor with somebody? But especially so, your creator. To know his keeping and sustaining power that though we falter, that he keeps us. We're his children. Nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Romans eight, and so may we exalt him all the days of our life, especially as we celebrate his birth. Secondly, all the gospel, the truth of the gospel, let, let it inform your love for one another. We were praying this morning beforehand, or I think it was Joy that was praying specifically that we would grow in love for one another. How we grow in love for one another is by, by recognizing the gospel afresh and looking around us and saying, wow, this person, this person, this person, this person, this person, all obtained by the blood of Jesus. Brothers and sisters, forgiven in the Lord, brought into the family of God, given eternal life, they, they each of us, are beloved by God just as you are. We've been redeemed and we've not been treated as our sins deserve, so, so serve one another in love. Care for each other in love as brothers and sisters. Consider one another more important than our sin yourself. May, may those who do not know the Lord's forgiveness yet, maybe in this room, maybe around your tables at Christmas time, maybe in the in the workplace or in schools or wherever you are, may those who do not yet know the Lord's forgiveness see the love that we have for one another and give glory to God, choosing to believe Believe on him and to find forgiveness in him because they see the love of God through you and your actions and your declaration of this gospel. Finally, make local and global missions a priority in your life. Make local and global mission a priority in your life. Join the movement of God among the neighborhoods and the nations. He's about spreading his glory through the nations and the love of God in this glorious message to a world through the church, through the church this morning and until the day that he comes back for us, this is happening, spreading the glory. We've got to join that, join that reality of, of of the mission of God to the neighborhoods and the nations of this world. Grow in developing a heart for the neighborhoods you live in and the nations. Ask the Lord to give you his heart for the world, both outside your house or inside your house, outside your house and across the world. Consider supporting our our workers in the Mediterranean, praying for them, caring for them financially, writing notes to them, reading their prayer letters, and, and truly coming alongside of them. Consider praying for different groups of people around the world and even consider whether God may desire you to go and share this gospel among the nations of the world. God loves the whole world and his people are marked by that same love. So may we be a people who share the good news of Jesus with those around us. Not, not just at Christmas time, but especially at Christmas time when, when kind of walls have come down to some extent and, and it's, it's, it's Christmas. And so you can talk about it a little bit more than you might feel like you do on other times. As we have the opportunity to do so, may may we proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ among the neighborhoods and nations around us. May we be those who enjoy, declare, and display the good news of Jesus Christ for the joy of all peoples. What is the good news? Say it with me. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. This is the story of Emmanuel and each of us are living in that story today. May we live in the light and life of Emmanuel and may we have his story on our hearts and our minds as we walk through this holiday season.